With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, you know the drill. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It is always, always appreciated. Today, I'm joined by my pal, Nikki Javala of the Washington Post as we discuss the health scare she underwent this spring. And fortunately, there's a lot of good news attached to it. But it also, I admire, and so do the other reporters, admire the way she approached her job while undergoing all this stuff. And, you know, there's a lot to admire about Nikki. So we talk about that. We also talk about her reasons for optimism and concern regarding the 2022 Washington Commanders as we enter training camp. We're only about a week and a half away, folks. It's a lot closer, finally. I also ask her about other parts of the roster. ESPN did a recent top 10 um, players at each position. Jeremy Fowler did it based on talking to coaches and executives. What does it say about the roster? Some guys that maybe weren't, aren't necessarily top 10 guys, but guys who can ascend here that maybe in a year from now, they're viewed a lot differently and it could strengthen this roster. I also ask her, we talk about Carson Wentz, the style that she anticipates for the offense and some expectations for this offense players she is most anxious or curious to see entering training camp. So good conversation with Nikki. You can follow her on Twitter at Nikki Javala, and that's N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. And you can read her work on WashingtonPost.com. You can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com. Before I turn to my conversation with Nikki, bear with me for one minute, because I want to give you a somewhat of an injury update, or maybe not an injury update, but let's look at some time possible timetables for two key players involved with this with the commanders, Chase Young, Logan Thomas. First, Chase Young. If I had to guess right now, it would be that he would return around mid-September at the earliest. So that could mean one or two games missed. It could also mean he'll miss a few more after that. Don't know, but I think the target right now would probably be around that time. Again, that's a strong guess. But there's still more to learn about that. One thing I like in this situation, nobody is pushing for the all-in for week one scenario. His side made that clear to me a while ago that while he, you know you can look at him and he's doing all sorts of good things, um, but they didn't want to push him to just reach the opener because then you can make, as we've seen before, you can do that as your goal, but the goal needs to be come back and to be able to be the player that you think you can be. I think that's the approach they're taking here. That's why I think when he comes back, he'll be in a better spot because of that. So that, that would be my guess there. As far as Logan Thomas, and part, let me back up for a minute. Part of the reason with, with Chase Young had his knee injury a month before Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas has a good chance to return before Chase Young. And part of it is that Thomas's surgery was not, they're both ACLs, 
but Thomas's surgery was not as invasive as Young's, which is why I think Young's timetable is a little bit different than Thomas's. We'll get a better sense of where Logan Thomas is at probably in mid-August or so. Um, and at that point, will he be ready for the opener or not? So I think he's got more of a chance to be there for that. Don't know yet. So there's just still more to learn. But I did want to give you at least a little bit of a, a sense of what's going on there. So now you know. Now let's turn to my conversation with Nikki Javala of The Washington Post. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Nikki, it's really, really good to see you. And I can't wait to see you back out of training camp where you belong. Um, clearly, you've had some medical stuff going on. And I'm just wondering if you can kind of fill people in on what you've had to deal with the last few months. Yeah, it's been a strange summer vacation. So I found out in late February, early March, actually, um, right after the combine that my blood counts were all out of whack and I had to get a full workup and everything. And I was diagnosed with something called severe aplastic anemia, which basically means my bone marrow was failing. So over these last three months, I've been um, living primarily in Baltimore to be close to Johns Hopkins hospital where I've had a bone marrow transplant. My sister was my donor and I also had my gallbladder removed. (laughs) Um, So, you know, the transplant is The treatment is very similar to cancer treatment. You undergo uh, chemotherapy, full body radiation, and have your transplant. Um, And then it's just a pretty lengthy recovery with some unpleasant medications. But yeah, I was discharged last week, got to ring the bell, which is incredibly exciting for everybody in my family because they've been through a lot too with all this. And now it's just kind of waiting out the road to recovery. It could take a full year to fully feel like myself again, but I feel so much better already. So very grateful to be at this point, very lucky to have had a transplant. So many people that need a transplant don't find a match or or are unable to get one. So I feel incredibly fortunate for that. Um, And who was it that gave you, got the transplant for you? My, yeah, my sister um, was my donor. So she, she lives in Colorado with the rest of my family, flew out to Baltimore, donated marrow, and I was able to get it. We were matches, and it's it's worked out great. It's been a hard road, definitely harder than I thought it would be, but totally worth it for sure. Well, and I know you well enough to know how much it bothered you not to be out there. So you're killing me. <laughs> it was killing you, but you're still writing stories from. Yeah. How tough was that just from a reporter standpoint? It gives me anxiety. And then I, you know, 
further confirm that I have no life. But every day I, I couldn't be out there for like availability or to talk to players during OTAs. I, I hated it. I hated it. I hate missing time. I love my job, you know, I like and I like doing it the way I've always been able to do it, which is just kind of give my everything to it. And with this, I I I wasn't able to. I haven't been able to, but I, I still want to stay involved with my job and stay writing as much as I physically can. So fortunately, I work at a great place and they allowed me to kind of go at my own pace while still focusing on my recovery. So it was important to me and I didn't share a ton of details at first because I did want to keep working. I didn't want I don't want this to be my identity in any way. I'm very proud of, you know, what me and my family overcame, but I'm just a reporter. I'm just but, want to do my job, you know. Absolutely. How much were you motivated by the fact that last year I wrote a story while I had a hundred degree fever? Was that a big motivating factor? It was you? in the back of my head. And I'm like, gosh darn it, if time can do That's that. That's why I did that. Yeah, I know. I you know, I saw what you were doing. I you know, I picked up on these subtle things, Sean. But but you are in a good spot now, correct? Mm, yeah, no, my blood counts all look great. Just trying to get my strength back up. I lost a good bit of weight and lost my hair, obviously, but it's starting to grow back. But, you know, my blood counts look great. And that's a, that's the most important thing is um, to get those back up at a normal and healthy level. And a shout out to your parents who were there the entire time. Involved. Oh, my gosh. My parents are incredible. They they live in Colorado, too. They drove cross country and have been staying with me for um, about three months, they've been absolutely incredible. And it's, you need some, you have to have a 24 seven caregiver to undergo something like this. And I've had two of them essentially. So it's been incredible. They're wonderful. Well, I'm glad to hear all that. And, you know, it's, it was nice to see you out at OTAs in one day. It'll be great to see you on a training camp and to have you back there, you know, full and functioning and being Nikki. So, you know, yes. and, and and I'm sure within 10 minutes, you'll probably regret being back in there with all of us when you get the corny jokes <laughs> and all that. So you might you might think, you know, it wasn't so bad being in the Zoom. And I love your dad jokes, Kaim. <laughs> Live for those. Well, my Wait. kids don't. You know, but I will say they shake their head, but I really know what they're doing. They're secretly writing them down. So that's I know that I just they, I haven't caught them yet. It's just a gut instinct. And I operate on that. Yeah. Just saving them for like 10 years right. down the road. I got you. There you go. So let's talk now. Let's an awkward transition to something that doesn't matter quite as much, but it's going to be coming up as this Washington. I I was going to try. What are they? The football team, the commanders. So we're about a week and a half from training camp. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is just there. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN did a top 10 series about players at each position. Um, I know Terry was included in that. John Allen was included in that. Um, Chase mm-hmm. Young was included as an honorable mention. And Antonio Gibson was someone who got some mention. So he was not in the top 10, but got some mention. Did you, I don't know how much you were able to see of that. And did you have any mm-hmm. takeaway as far as how maybe this roster is viewed beyond Washington? Or what did you have any takeaway from that at all with where these guys were or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of get a sense that this team is viewed like, most other middle tier or slightly below middle tier teams in that, you know, people know the stars of the team, but they don't necessarily know or hear much about the guys that have the potential to reach that level. Like 
Um, I mean, I, I think such a big name coming out of OTAs and minicamp this year has been Benjamin St. Juice. I mean, here's yeah. a kid who didn't get to play much as a rookie because of concussions, um, but he's an athletic freak and he, he could really be a huge asset to them in the secondary, which has kind of been a rotating cast for each of the last yeah. what three seasons, really. So, I mean, he's somebody you could play in the slot. They could try to move him outside again. I, I think he's somebody that is so versatile that he fits pretty much anything they could want to do back there, you know, be it Buffalo nickel, moving them all around, sort of like a cam curl type. Um, he has a potential for that. He certainly hasn't proved it yet, but I think that's what you get when you look at this team is, you know, the big names, but you don't know all the possibilities in between. Um, and some of them are, are really promising like St. Juice you know, and then others are still unknowns, really guys that have been there the longest of, of many of the players. I look at Cole Holcomb, you know, he somehow overnight, it felt like went from a guy that they didn't seem too comfortable with playing in the mic to now he's our guy at the mic. And, and I, I feel like most of the league really just doesn't know who Cole Holcomb is still. So you get a lot of, a lot of that. And I, I think it's fitting, you know, they've, been to one postseason since Ron has arrived, but they've had two losing seasons. And uh, this is just such a huge year for them improving themselves on the national stage. Right. And I think, you know, I think what it says too, um, like Chase Young getting an honorable mention after the year he had last year, I think speaks to the talent that that kid has. And I think Gibson, I think would like to be in that top 10 and maybe after this year he would be. And I think the key with these things are always, not where you're at right now, where are you at at the end of the season? And are you, did you elevate yourself to that? I was a little bit surprised that Cam Curl got no mention out of about 15 to 20 safeties. But I also think that that tell, that's why I wonder with there's, there's that belief here. Cam Curl is a really good player, but then when you Mm -hmm. branch out league wide or you move out league wide, how is he viewed and how does that play into a down the road contract? But again, you know, this, I think, Here's the other thing, Nikki, too, that I think with some of those guys, and St. Juice wouldn't be in there, but I think to your point, there are some guys here who you still say don't look at their roster as a as a like these are only guys who can elevate to a certain area. You do have some young guys who could take that step, which can elevate the defense. Right. And finally, like a guy like Cam Curl, he would be helped if this defense finished in the top five. Then I think the perception mm-hmm. of him almost changes. Do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I looked at Terry in that regard. I mean, Terry seemed like, I mean, for the longest time, even for his first two years, you're like, why, why don't more people know about Terry McLaurin? And it's because of the status of the team. You know, you don't get selected to pro bowls when you're on a losing team. You don't get, you know, the all pro mentions. That's just the way it is. It's unfair. It's silly, but that's the way it is. Um, And I looked at Cam Curl similarly. Now he hasn't, done as much statistically as Terry, but he could be on that same trajectory, you know, and one big year from him could really, could really set him on a path toward, you know, another big money deal. Um, You know, look, a guy that I always think about too is um, very similar to both players really is Justin Simmons. who's a safety in Denver third round pick out of Boston college. Not many people knew him outside of his, you know, impressive combine tape. And now he's one of the best safeties in the game. Like it just, it it takes being on the right team on the right defense and, you know, putting the numbers up in spite of your circumstances. And I, I, you know, I think Cam Curl has a chance to do that. 
I think that's a good point too with Cam because Cam's also the kind of guy that, to me, a lot of value I see in his game hasn't been as much the huge plays as it is what he takes away by doing his job. And that takes a while to get noticed, I think, in a bigger, in a grander scale. But yeah, if they go out and they have a top five D and he's making a couple of big plays, because he'll also, with that Buffalo nickel, he'll play something there too in the Landon Collins role more than anybody else, possibly. Now, I don't think it'd be full time with that, but it might put him in a position to make more big plays. Right. And one of, one of the guys that I still think is still pretty unknown um, is Logan Thomas because he's had the injuries the last year, but he had that really great season, his first years of full-time starting tight end. So, you know, there's, you know, a pretty high floor for him. It's, you know, what's the ceiling. And we haven't been able to see that because of the injuries, but, you know, he's been in the league quite a bit after the position change, but he's still kind of an unknown. I still think he's somebody who could, you know, if he can stay healthy, elevate to one of the top players at his position. But I'm glad you brought up Logan Thomas because he wasn't even included in that list of um, players receiving votes for this. And I wondered how much of it was due to the injury. I'm guessing that is because there were some players that were listening and they're like, well, there's no way that some of these guys should be ahead of Logan Thomas. But Mm -hmm. to your point too, he's going to be such a valuable asset for Carson Wentz in the red zone. And when you watch Carson Wentz, and this is why we keep hearing wide catch radius because his throws are off target a lot, you know, enough that having a guy like Thomas who can make those kind of catches in a tight area will be huge. So I think, I think, I think that his omission from that was as much because of the injuries, I would think, but yeah, I mean, he's such a valuable part of this offense. How much better are they? Do you think when he's on the field? And that's a kind of a dumb question, but what do you think? Yeah, no, I think he makes the players around him better too. Um, You mentioned the catch radius makes them that much more quarterback friendly. And we know how much Carson um, favors his tight ends. I think it was him and Lamar Jackson were one and two over the past three years. Right. So, I mean, I, I think he's a huge asset and I think he helps the other tight ends. I mean, they got a young group behind him. A lot of guys that are converts too, that were either receivers, quarterbacks, and another position that um, kind of stepped in and are learning tight end um, at the pro level. And I think he's huge for those guys. Um, I, I think he's, he's got that Terry McLaurin leadership too, which it's hard to quantify at any level, but I, I think it's important nonetheless. But you you pair his size, his athleticism, his knowledge of the quarterback position, too. I think that comes, you know, incredibly handy in the game um, alongside, you know, the Terry McLaurin, the, the speed of Curtis Samuel, if he can stay healthy of Antonio Gibson. I mean, they have a ton of assets if they can all stay healthy and play together on offense. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Logan Thomas is a huge piece of this defense, I think production alone i mean they relied solely on him for much of the 2020 season and to get that back would be uh, such a boon for this offense what are your expectations for this offense production wise or stylistically or what let's start with production i mean i I would expect them to put more points up than they have over the past two years i would hope so anyway i feel like the last two years with scott he's been kind of experimenting and adapting to a continual rotation of cast members, you know, be it quarterbacks, um, you know, filling in for tight ends with the injuries at that position. Um, He's always depleted at receiver by, you know, middle to late in the season. He's 
Terry McLaurin has been the one staple, the one constant, you know, running backs. He's relied on AG. He's relied on McKissick. So I think a lot of it has been adapting to the personnel and not necessarily running the offense as you envision it. So I would expect if, if they can stay healthy, that there would be a lot more production. You know, the number of touches for each guy may go down because you only have one ball, right? So, but I, I think it should be more dynamic, but I feel like we've gone into every year saying that it's it's all a matter of circumstances, really. Sure. Do you think it will, how long do you think it might take to have things, I guess, quote unquote, come together? I mean, new quarterback, Dotson is new, um, but you get Curtis Samuel back, we think healthy. So how long yeah. do you think it? You know, what do you what expectations do you, expectations do you have for it to be there at the start of the season versus maybe, you know, taking a few weeks to kind of hit a stride? I could see it taking a few weeks to hit its stride. Um, I would feel better if they would, for once, have you know joint training camp practices right, right. or some way to come, you know, use a, a gauge to see where they're at against another team instead of just going against each other. That's what makes it so hard to you know, tell where they're at as a team during training camp, but they won't have that this year. Um, so I, I could see it taking a couple weeks. You just hope it doesn't take more than a quarter of the season because then you're, you're way behind and you don't want to be 0 and 4 going in, especially with the late buy. So, right. um, and a slow yeah. start with the offense doesn't have to mean a loss. It just means that it's not going to be sure. operating like, I, you know, so stylistically, what are you anticipating? I would I would expect to see it, you know, more vertical, stretching the field. I mean, you've got playmakers now. You know, Terry's always been there. you got tight ends. You make the most of those. you got versatile guys that, you know, that can double as backs or receivers. So I would – and that, that's something they keep saying they want to do every season to stretch the field, but, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. Right, and I think they can expand – areas of the field too that and you know it's funny because in watching going back and watching some of Carson Wentz there are throws that he makes and like and this is there are things that Taylor Heineke does well we know that he doesn't have the arm to compare to Carson Wentz and this is not knocking him but there are definitely things that Wentz does with his arm that you say that's not a completion here you you know most guys can't make that throw and it just allows for some bigger plays now there are things he does that may allow for some negative plays but I think that arm can open up the field as well. Right. And I'm curious to see if, you know, if they can consistently have at least two to three solid receivers on the field at the same time, be it true receivers or, you know, a tight end or another back. How does that open things up for Terry? Because he, he led the league in contested catches, but he's doing it all himself. You know, it, you don't have another threat on the outside or he didn't really for much of the past two years, you had guys that would, have some big games, but consistently there were so many injuries to that group. I'm curious to see what will having these additional playmakers do for him. How will this open up his game too, which could be huge. Right. And I think, you know, if Dotson, and I talked about this on the previous podcast, but like if Dotson comes in and can show that he can be a threat, teams are going to double Terry right away. They're going to force Dotson to prove he can do something, but there's so much they don't have the one flat out burner like Tariq Hill, but they have a lot of speed that you can incorporate that speed and in, in not just down the field, but across the field that can open up things for Terry as well. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, get it. I mean, we, we haven't really even talked about Curtis Samuel, but you know, he didn't have much of a season last year because of the hamstring and groin injuries, but you know, if he can come back and stay healthy, 
that's, that's a huge addition for this offense. I mean, that's why they gave him $33 million or whatever. Um, so if they can get him back and have him back consistently, that opens a lot of things up for them. What's your level of confidence with his health? I mean, I, I sure hope he can stay healthy for his sake and the team's. Um, I'd say probably at this point it's probably 40, 60, just because it's it's a complete unknown. I mean, even in OTAs, they had to slow it down for him a bit. So we'll All see. Right. So let's go with a couple of things. Player you most want to see in camp or most looking forward to seeing in camp? I want to see Brian Robinson. Um, I mean, he's a bigger back, um, powerful back. I want to see what he adds to that group um, with JD, who is primarily their third down back. Um, AG, who's, you know, probably has a skill set to be more of a future back, but is he mentally ready? You know, when he dealt with the fumbles last year, I want to know what Brian Robinson adds to this offense. And he's, I mean, he's a huge back. I, I think he could be a, you know, a real threat back there. I think he could really help them. And he's, you know, I was kind of surprised by the pick at first. I know they wanted to add to the running backs room, but I was kind of surprised by the pick. And then I see him out in OTAs. I'm like, wow, this kid could, he could be a problem out there. Right. Um, so he's one of them that I'm, I'm really curious about. And then also just generally the offensive line. I mean, they went into this saying, you know, we kept the front intact and we want to, you know, have the same success. And then they, they lose both starting guards um, their center isn't fully healthy yet, Chase Rulier. So, you know, how much of that can they recreate from last year? I mean, they've dealt with a number of injuries too and have kept it pretty consistent up front. Can they do the same this year? I mean, I, I think it kind of all starts with that front five. So you brought up, and let's go on defense, same question then. Biggest um, player you most like to see on defense. You brought up St. Juice, you brought up a couple of those. Who is, who is the guy that you're looking most curious to see? Chase when he's healthy, certainly. Um, I also want to see if Montez can take a, a bigger leap too. You know, I think he gets overlooked a lot because of Chase on the opposite side. I thought he had a, you know, he was healthier for longer, but you know, I thought he overall has had, you know, better season production wise than, than Chase had. Um, certainly he has more experience there. So, I mean, he's just a, you know, a freak human physically, can he take that next step to really becoming an elite edge rusher? Um, he's one that has kind of always intrigued me because he's, yeah. he's quiet. You just kind of wonder what he is. And we, we've seen him on the field in camp. He gets pretty loud, pretty vocal, which was kind of surprising last year when we saw that side of him, or at least it was for me. But I want to see him kind of take his game to the next level. I'm glad you brought him up because I was going to mention him earlier as a guy when, you know, you look at this defense, who can mm -hmm. ascend to a certain level. And you mm -hmm. kind of forget that if that guy doesn't have the health issues, he's probably a top 10 pick a few years yeah. ago. So mm -hmm. this talent is there. I just think I agree with you. I think he's a guy that I think Derek cares to see what he does, but if he has, would it shock you if he went out and I, part of it might be what depends on when Chase Young comes back, but would it mm -hmm. shock you if he went out and had a better year than Chase Young? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, he's got more experience for one. You know, they're two very different rushers. They are. They very are. different. So it would not surprise me. And that's not a knock against Chase at all. I just oh, think, I think they're two a, different yeah. players. And I think, you know, this team is lucky to have two edge rushers yeah. of their caliber. But I do think it's time for Montez to take that leap, especially if he wants to earn that next big deal. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a monster start to the season period, you know, even if it's without Chase on the other side. 
um, because he's got, you know, the guys on the interior who are pretty freaking good, you know, and if he's kind of the lead edge rusher on one side and you got James Smith Williams on the other, that can open up a lot of opportunity for him. So it would not surprise me at all if he jumps out to a quick start. Biggest reason for or biggest concern going into camp. Biggest concern going into camp, I'd say still probably the linebackers. You know, I, I, I know Cole has made improvements each year, but I don't, you know, we know what the team said and seemed to feel about him after the season. They've kind of changed their tune completely. Is that out of, is that out of necessity and that they, they didn't find that guy to be the mic and they really want to, you know, encourage him to take that step. Um, I, I think they're missing depth there, period. Um, and that that position as a whole has kind of been a liability for them over the last few years. So. And it's funny because I would have the same thought. And I was talking to somebody about Cole the other day, and I just said he went like, we know during the season that you'd hear he's a true outside linebacker after the season, true outside linebacker. And then suddenly he's this guy that, hey, he could be the answer. Is that right. based on what they saw in the film study or is it based on, like you said, and we'll find out. I mean, I don't, right. I don't know if they fully know where he's Mm -hmm. going to get to yet. And for me, the whole thing with him is not just can he go do it, but he can also, can he also impact Jamin Davis with the, with the calls, the audibles and not just make the audibles, but then you got to react like this as well. That's a hard thing to do as an inside linebacker. So, but I agree. Um, Last one, then biggest reason for optimism with this team. Biggest reason for optimism um, because they're at a crossroads. They absolutely need to win. Now this is year three under Ron Rivera and his staff. They've had two losing seasons. There's they're running out of time. And I think everybody I'm sure has to feel that to some degree. Um, Players I'm sure feel it every year as they're fighting for a position, but this is when you really got to start to prove it. You're no longer, you know, we're trying to see where we're at. We're trying to develop in year two and take steps. No, you got to, you got to show something now at this point. So I think that motivation alone could be huge. I, I don't know if Carson Wentz is the answer. I always come back to, you know, along with most other people, the fact that he's been dealt twice in two seasons, but he is, you know, talent alone, a a heck of a quarterback. And we all saw what he could do in 2017. And maybe, maybe he can get back there close to it. Um, And if so, that's a tremendous upgrade over what they had. So, you know, if they've made upgrades at these positions, if they can stay healthy and and really use that year three motivation, then I think they really do have a chance. Yeah. And I do think like compared to what he had in Indy last year, overall, the depth of skill talent is just greater. And you know, and I think that it's incumbent upon him to be a little, you know, whether it's not more accurate, but, you know, there are certain things he can do better, but I definitely think he's going to be thrown to a better overall group of targets for him. I also wanted to ask you, too, about there was a whole um, flap with the 90th anniversary um, and the, you know, the the players that they, you could vote to be on the t- greatest 90, Trent Williams, obviously. Then there were misspellings and all sorts of, what did you take from that whole thing. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of the Sean Taylor flub from last year. And listen, I know they've overhauled their front office. I think the intent within that group is, is really positive. I know they've come in, they've made a lot of changes. They really do intend to, you know, turn things around within that front office, but I still think this shows 
the importance of having somebody, some people even, who really understand the history of the game, of the organization, of you know, where this team has been that can appreciate the fans' loyalty amid these, you know, past two decades, really, and better understand what they've been going through. Because these mistakes just shouldn't be made. And no matter the intent of not having Trent Williams on there or off, or, you know, whether it was just an oversight or there was any sort of grudge, I don't know. But whatever the reason, they the mistakes just can't happen. I mean, you just lose trust when you're trying to build it. But they did make up for it and, um, you know, amending their list. It's just, I, I think people remember more and more each of these mistakes. And, sure. And, yeah. and I think, too, with, with the trend situation, like, you hear things about why it may or may not have been happening. I don't know. I can't assume that it was just, oh, Snyder hates him, whatever. Yeah. But if you're not going to put him on there, don't put Kirk on there. But I think the other thing that, I think is bothersome is all the, you know, the misspellings and the wrong dates and yeah. all that. And the one thing I go back to is when like Mike Shanahan would talk about the Niners organization when he was there in the eighties with Bill Walsh and the a standard that gets set, not just for yeah. players and coaches, but for everybody in the organization. And when you consistently have those things, and you're putting them out. And this is not on the PR staff. It's a separate group that's doing a lot of that stuff. When you consistently do that, to me, it just, it looks subpar as an organization. Right. Exactly. Um, I agree 100%. And this is, this is an organization that has said in their own words, they want to be the gold standard. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get that gold with you know, yeah. you, and right now at this, it's not even a silver. So, you know, and that's, right. that's where they can improve. And again, it doesn't mean that it's going to, will it lead to more wins or losses if, if they get these spellings right? Well, no, but I think it just sets a standard for the organization that you right. want to reach. And if you're demanding this of this person here, then you're demanding it over here, here, and here. So right. that's, you know, right. um, that's how I view it. And um, so we'll see, we'll see. I know, like you said, that there are people over there who are busting their butt to make this a better situation and organization. We know that, and it's going to take a while to achieve that, but you got to get those things right. Way like this. Yeah. yeah. You got to get out of your own way sometimes. So. Well, Nikki, it was great to see you, and I can't wait to see you out of training camp. Um, and it's week and a half. You ready? I know. It's coming. It's coming. Thanks for having me, John. All right, Nikki. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Nikki for joining me, and thanks to you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Thursday. Talk to you next time.